from the Heritage Foundation. I'm Michelle Cordero, and this is Heritage Explains. We learned this week that President Trump has expressed interest in buying the world's largest island. He has been asking advisors about acquiring Greenland. The major real estate proposal by President Trump. CBS News has learned that Mr. Trump wants to buy Greenland. He wants to buy what? The Wall Street Journal reports President Trump has expressed interest in purchasing Greenland. These kind of headlines were all over the news this week. People love this story. I suppose it's partly because they think it's funny or crazy, but how crazy is it? Would it be funny or crazy if President Obama said it? Did you know the United States bought the U.S. Virgin Islands from Denmark in 1917? And Alaska was purchased from Russia in 1867. Greenland, a little over 3,000 miles from the U.S., is just a quick five-hour flight from New York City. Yet it's gone largely overlooked by just about everyone for decades. I'm sure you've seen photos of Iceland's famous Blue Lagoon, their lava trail hikes, or northern lights. But Greenland? It's been pretty quiet over there. Additionally, Greenland doesn't get any attention from American policymakers, considering how important they are when it comes to our national security. Our expert today, Luke Coffey, is the director of Heritage's Douglas and Sarah Allison Center for Foreign Policy and the only analyst from an American think tank that has been to Greenland and written on it. Luke will explain a little bit about Greenland's government and history, if the United States should buy Greenland, and more on why Greenland is such an important ally to the United States. Thank you so much for joining us, Luke. Great. It's great to be here. Okay. So who runs Greenland's government and for how long? Well, for the past 300 years or so, Greenland has been part of Denmark, part of the Danish kingdom. And this is because of various treaties in Europe over the years. It's very complicated to get into. It's not really relevant to the situation today. But uh, right now, the, the Greenlandic government has control over all policy areas other than foreign policy, defense policy, and their monetary policy. So it's, um, it's mainly done by the Greenlanders themselves, although the sovereignty and the foreign policy is controlled by Denmark. So what's our relationship with Greenland like? Are we on good terms? Yeah, we, we have a very good relationship. I was actually in Greenland in April, and I um, had great meetings. Everyone was very friendly. They have a very positive view of the United States. They have a very suspicious view of, let's say, China, for example. Uh, and the U.S. has had an air base in Greenland, uh, northern Greenland, since um, – the end of World War II, since the, the, the 50s. And uh, it's a very important air base for the United States. And most of our bilateral engagement with Greenland is um, because of this air base. Beautiful country too, right? Yes, it's very beautiful. I saw some of your photos in your article. Yeah, it's unfortunate that right now there are no direct flights from, well, actually from North America, not even from Canada. Yeah, but I think that's fascinating. Yeah, it is. It's, there used to be some flights, but they weren't profitable. But I think uh, because they're going to be constructing new three new airports, so expand the size of the runway, which will allow for a larger plane, which will create more tourist 
in uh, other economic opportunities. So I do recommend any of the listeners to go. think of what a go. hot spot Iceland's become. Exactly. That's what they have in mind when yeah. I was meeting with them. They, they hope to replicate the success that Iceland has had with U.S. tourism, but in Greenland. And actually, Greenland is slightly closer than Iceland as well. So Northern Lights, all that you still can oh, see? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. All right. All right. So... Can the U.S. just buy a country? Have we done this? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yes, we have done it. And no, we can't do it today. Uh, firstly, it's not for sale. Um, the Danish government and the Greenlander government have both said that. In fact, the, the, the Greenlander government said that while they're not for sale, they're definitely open for business. And uh, they're trying to promote more economic connections with the United States. For example, they're starting uh, pretty soon a, a weekly shipping route for um, – you know, cargo commercial shipping between Portland, Maine, and Greenland. So they're hoping to increase economic activity that way. Uh, we have actually purchased land from Denmark in the past. Uh, so uh, there is there is some uh, history. Uh, I read Truman tried to buy that. Well, Truman tried to buy Greenland um, for $100 million in gold right after World War II. Uh, but the last time the U.S. bought land from uh, Denmark was uh, what we now call the U.S. Virgin Islands. Ah. And these were called the um, Danish West Indies. And these were purchased in 1917 during World War I for $25 million at, at the time, which today is just under $600 million. And it was they were purchased because uh, with Germany on the march, they were scared that uh, Denmark was going to you know fall under a complete German control and then – this would be used as a, a submarine base for the Germans to attack the U.S. I didn't know that. That's yeah, so West, the U.S. Virgin Islands uh, were once Danish. <laughs> but no, it's not for sale. And um, in the 21st century, this would be very unusual, this sort of arrangement. I would say almost impossible. It, why would we want to buy them? What do they have to offer that well, we would want? That's the question I have as well, because the U.S. can um, achieve its objectives in the region and ensure its security interests by not buying it. So so uh, the, the U.S. air base in northern Greenland um, is vital for the defense not only of the United States but also Canada and the North American continent because they have uh, – we have early warning radar systems for our missile defense uh, structures. So it's vital that we have access to this air base. So as long as we have access to this air base and as long as we have a good U.S.-Greenland-Denmark relationship, there's actually no reason – to, to want to buy buy Greenland. And, and it, for a country that's swimming in $22 trillion yeah. of debt, I don't know if it'd be a good use of taxpayers' money. Yeah, so I know this is you speculating, but why do you think Trump is making this move? <laughs> well, um, Question everybody asks all the time, I I'm sure. I think there sure. are a couple of factors here. Uh, firstly, it's August, so the, the news cycle tends to slow down and, and uh, people need clicks like you know everyone else. So they This would, one's driving yeah, lots driving, of clicks. That's why uh, I have you in the chair right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. I cannot believe in middle of August I'm here talking about uh, the U.S. possibly Your buying Your commentary Greenland. is the number one most read commentary right now on Heritage. <laughs> well, it goes to show you, right, that there is a certain uh, interest in, in these big geopolitical issues, uh, especially when they're connected to some sort of nostalgia. I mean, most of America, um, even even lands that we conquered through war with Mexico, were then bought Louisiana Purchase, Mexican Succession, Alaska, for example. In fact, the very first time that the uh, that the U.S. tried uh, buying Greenland was around the time that we bought Alaska. Um, uh, secretary Seward, who was the secretary of state at the time, wanted to buy everything. 
Uh, he ended Who up owned Alaska before? Russia. Oh. We bought it from Russia for about two cents an acre. And uh, it was called Seward's Folly because he did it without congressional approval, and everyone thought it was a waste of money. Uh, and now look at Alaska today, rich this in natural like resources. This is re- and- like a combination of the game Risk and Monopoly, like all together right yeah. now. Well, it's it's something. I think the best metaphor is to describe it as some sort of game <laughs> yeah. because it's not real life. Uh, so I think also President Trump— um, uh, knows how to uh, control the news cycle very well. And so, you know, this the story broke on Friday. Sunday, he makes a comment about it. So it, it lives to see another news cycle. And here we are today talking about it. Okay. So now it's time for me to take a moment and just recommend a podcast that I think you'll like. Luke and I are getting into a fair amount of history in today's episode. And if you're enjoying this, I really think you'll love a podcast by my colleagues Jared Stetman and Fred Lucas called The Right Side of History. It's sad to say, but we live in a time when the left is literally trying to rewrite history. Fred and Jared have such great personalities, and they are encyclopedias of knowledge. Their offices are right outside of mine, and I'm constantly picking their brain. Their podcast takes a look at today's media landscape and busts left-wing myths about people and events in America's history. You can get it anywhere you can get podcasts, and I highly recommend it. Okay, now back to my conversation with Luke. You wrote that after years of putting it on the back burner, the Trump administration announced that they'll maintain part-time diplomatic presence in Greenland. This is what you talked about a little bit earlier. Can you explain just a little bit more what that means and why it's good? Well, for a lot of um, a lot of people criticize the Trump administration over Arctic issues because, uh, you know, we pulled out Paris climate change uh, agreement and uh, for example. But in practical terms, the this administration has been pretty robust when it comes to the Arctic. Um, the Heritage Foundation has been calling for the U.S. to create a diplomatic presence in Greenland, like a consulate to um, help uh, keep good situational awareness on what's happening in Greenland. And we're for this. We're very much supportive of this. And the Greenlanders are supportive of this. The The Danes like this idea. Um, and this administration announced that after years of this debate on whether or not to do this, they are going to do it. And this was fantastic. Uh, Secretary Pompeo has done quite a bit on raising awareness of what China's doing in the Arctic. And he's taken uh, advantage of huge international platforms like the— Just for uh, our listeners who don't know, what is China doing in the Arctic, in a nutshell? Yeah, in a nutshell, they're investing heavily in the region to try to extract natural resources for their own benefit. And they do so under the guise of this benign outside actor that just wants to come in and help. But really, they're replicating what they're doing in places like in Africa, which is coming in— uh, buying rights to mines, for example, and and extracting the resources. So you think with everything maybe, and this is a stretch and I'm just speculating, with the things going on in Hong Kong and the trade wars in China, do you think that Trump starting to talk about, I'm going to buy Greenland, could be a dig at China? No, not quite. Um, I, I would be surprised if, if he would see all these issues as being connected. Uh, most of China's uh, interest in the Arctic is usually discussed either as it pertains to Russia or Iceland, not so much Greenland, although there has been some Chinese um, activity in Greenland. But the problem with Greenland is, although it it probably does have a lot of minerals and resources, uh, it's covered in ice. Um, It has an ice... It's 95% Yeah, It it has an ice sheet the size of Alaska that in some points runs 8,000 feet deep. 
So the, it's not easily it's not easy to extract these sort of uh, these resources out of Greenland, even if if we knew that they were there for certain. Uh, for example, Greenland only has two mines that are operational, and neither of these mines are turning a profit. They have a ruby mine and a mine that mines stuff that's used for uh, uh, creation of fiberglass. And and these mines aren't doing very well. No two towns or cities in Greenland are connected by a road. Uh, so everything has to be done by ship or by air, but there are only three or four um, airfields. So it's by helicopter, which is hugely expensive. So we're not quite to that point where um, Greenland could be seen, even if the U.S. could buy it and even if the U.S. wanted to buy it. not even so sure it would be a good use of taxpayers' money. I love this story. I love this story, one, because the left is going crazy about it because they're like, <laughs> oh, the real estate mogul wants to buy everything. And then after they do that, they've got to run their bit on global warming. Yeah. Yes. So they've, you know, put them both together. In conclusion, Luke, is there anything that we miss that on this issue that you want to talk about? Well, I think we miss um, a very important idea that Americans believe in, and that is the right of self-determination and the, and the belief in national sovereignty. And uh, right now, the official position of the Danish government is that Greenland could become independent whenever it wants. And it is essentially a matter for the Greenlandic people to decide how and by whom they are governed. And whatever they decide, the U.S. should support this. And the U.S. already has fantastic relationships with Greenland, uh, and we have great military cooperation, and we're looking at ways to expanding our economic relationship. So we should focus on improving this aspect of the relationship and not so much on buying it. Thank you so much. Thanks. And that's it for today's episode. As I mentioned, Luke is the only analyst from an American think tank that's been to Greenland and written about it. I'll link to his research in our show notes. And you know the deal. If you like this podcast, rate us, review us, share us, email us at managingeditor at heritage.org. The more I hear from you about what you like and want to learn about, the better we can do to make that happen. So don't be shy. Find me on social media or email me. We'll see you next week with another explainer. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by Thalia Rampersad. 